Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Church Podcast. Day to all you dads out there. We are so glad that you guys took time out of your day to be here with us. And um, we have an awesome, awesome day in store. Uh, before we get into the message today, um, I was planning on preaching shorter, but since we don't have games, sorry, dads. Um, but uh, now I got some extra time. But uh, we were, I'm losing my track here. Um, next week, next week is one of my favorite things we do at Foundations Church. Um, and you guys are like, oh, somebody always tells me like everything we do is your favorite thing. Um, but it, I, I love what's happening at Foundations Church. But next week we have Baptism Sunday here at Foundations Church. And it is a day that we celebrate people going public with their faith in Jesus Christ. And if you haven't been baptized or man, maybe your life has changed since you got baptized or you didn't know what you were doing. And, and this just is your next significant step in your relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to make that happen for you. So it's really easy. You can sign up at foundationschurch.tv right online, or you can go to our Connect Center, and we would love to have you take your next step. All of us have a next step, and on our baptism, it seems like a lot of us, man, there's been change that's happened, but we're just kind of nervous about taking that step, taking that plunge. Man, take that step. It's a big deal, and we want to celebrate it with you. So if that is your next step, sign up, and we would love, love, love to help you take that step. Um, today is our one redneck sermon for the year, maybe, um, but our one, I can't, I'm not going to, I never say ever anymore because I usually lie. So, um, but today I want to talk to you, our redneck term is called fixinta. Fixinta, it is spelled F-I-X-I-N-T-A. Um, and most of us use this term, fixinta. And this is how we use it most of the time. I'm fixing to go to Quick Trip for dinner, what you want, right? Um, and don't act like you don't go to Quick Trip for dinner. Like, you know you do. You're like, they're taquitos though, man. Um, my dad has said this a bunch to me growing up, both of these. I'm fixing to bust your butt if you keep acting like that. I'm fixing to be on you like white on rice, right? Um, you've used that phrase. Uh, my favorite, I'm fixing to go to the Walmart, right? Like the Walmart is the only Walmart that there is in the country. Um, I'm fixing to go to the Walmart, what you need. And, and here's how I define fixing to. Something you ain't currently doing, but you're fixing to do, right? <laughs> 
something you're not currently doing, but you're fixing to do. You're like, yeah, I got this. I, yes, 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 yes. And, and here's, here's the great thing, is that for most of us, this is a moment in our life. For most of us, fixing to is just a small moment. But for some of us, fixing to has become a reality of life. And, and, and what we know we should be doing, we're not doing. What we know God has called us to engage in, we keep saying, I'm, I'm, I'm fixing to do that. God, I, I'm fixing to get to that. As soon as this gets worked out, as soon as that gets worked out, as soon as this calms down, I'm fixing to do that. And, and for some of us, we keep using phrases when it comes to our relationship with God. And, and if this is your first time here, you've been coming for a while, I, I think what we need to understand as followers of Christ, not as foundation church people, not as people that grew up Methodist or Catholic or Baptist or what, whatever your background is, you need to understand God has a calling on your life. Each and every one of us in this place, no matter your age, no matter your background, there is a calling, there is a specific plan that God has for your life. And for a lot of us, we're just not engaged in it yet. And we keep putting it off, and we keep saying, I, I'm, I'm fixing to. It, it, you might be in that frame of reference if you keep saying phrases like, I'm fixing to chase my dreams. I, I, I'm fixing to step into God's plan. I'm fixing to get my act together, to get my life right. I'm fixing to get past that addiction, that bad habit, that stronghold in my life that I keep going back to. I'm fixing to have that hard conversation, right? Some of you, you know the hard conversation you need to have, and this isn't even a relationship series or relationship sermon. It's with your spouse. Your marriage isn't getting any better because nobody's really talking about the issue, and you just keep dancing around it because neither one of you has the courage to talk about the hard thing. You need to, you've been avoiding the conversation, but you know that's the conversation you need to have. I'm fixing to do the scary thing, the thing that I dread, the thing that I fear. I'm fixing to be who I should be. And if we're not careful, instead of fixing to being a moment of our life, it becomes what our life is made of. It becomes what our life is made of. And, and, and what I believe is, isn't that we're lazy. Most of us aren't lazy in this place when it comes to our spiritual walk. We're just procrastinators when it comes to our spiritual walk. Here, here's the difference. Laziness is a refusal to do things, but procrastination is more of a feeling of desperately wanting to, but just not getting started, right? It, it's not that you don't want to, it's just that you never get around to it. But we... we Six months removed from New Year's resolutions. How's those resolutions going, right? Yeah. You're like, well, I guess I'll wear a bathing suit next year, right? Like, <laughs> I thought 2019 was my year, right? I'm not talking about weight. I'm talking about how are you doing? How are you growing as a man of God, as a woman of God? How are you at engaging the calling that is on your life because some men, we have churches that are full of people that are fixing to do something great with their life, but they never get around to it. And, and let me talk to the men for a little bit. I know it's Father's Day. This is not just a men's sermon, a Father's Day sermon. 
But men, man, I'm going to say something that is total counterculture right now. But hear me, for every man that is married, every man that is single, every person that is over the age of 18 years old, hear me, you are called to be the spiritual head of your family. You are called to be the leader, the priest, the covering of your home. Lead the way. Your wife and your kids need somebody that is strong, need somebody that is bold, need somebody every once in a while that's a little mean, need somebody that's a little ornery and not apologizing for being a man. Be the man God has called you to be and show it. Show it. Don't apologize for it. You're called to be the man of God he's called you to be. I'm tired of apologizing for being the manly guy that God has called us to be. Lead and don't apologize for it. You're not like bullying people. You're leading people, and your family needs you to do that. But what's happening is we just, as men, we just don't do it. We don't lead spiritually. You know why our houses are dysfunctional? Is because we as men are not leading like we're called to lead. And I wish we had a good reason, but for a lot of us, we just don't feel like it. Right? We're just like, ah. We, we, we get a little selfish. And we say we're not emotional, but man, we're an emotional wreck. And, and we're not leading, we're not doing, we're not becoming the person that God, now I'll be a better dad next year, I'll be a better husband next year, I'll be a better spouse, I'll be a better person. And you keep procrastinating and you keep fixing to instead of becoming the man and the person and the woman of God that he's calling you to become. What are two things that keep us away from it? First thing is this, it's fear. Fear. Can I tell you, fear will always stall your faith. Fear will always stall out your faith. It's like, man, you know what God's calling you to do, you're ready to go, and then you freak out, right? You're like, ah, I don't know if I can do that. And and this is why in the Bible that it says, for God did not give you a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. You're going to need a sound mind to get past that fear. You're going to need power to get past that fear. Perfect love cast out all fear. You're going to need a spirit of love, power, and of a sound mind to do the scary things. The second thing that I think keeps us from the the calling and engaging in the life that God has called us to is we feel unqualified and unprepared. We feel unqualified and unprepared to do all that God is asking of us. I remember the night before our oldest uh, daughter, Charlie, was born. Me and Casey are walking in the neighborhood, and this is the real hand-to-God conversation that me and Casey had. We are literally walking around the neighborhood, almost crying, like, what have we done? Um, What? I'm not ready for this, Casey. And she's like, I'm not either. And she's like, you got the easy part, right? Like, what do you mean you're not ready? Like, you got to be there. I'm like, can can we, like, not have this happen. It's going to happen whether we're re- we we would been married almost six years and we still did not feel qualified to be parents because I was a mess of a youth pastor, right? Like I did stupid stuff all the time. I'm like, I'm going to do a stupid stuff with this kid all the time. And I do stupid stuff all the time in case it's like manners, please, Justin, manners, never going to happen. Here's the deal. <laughs> the great significant things that you're called to do, you're never going to be prepared for it. 
you're never going to feel qualified to do it. And for some of us, it's just we keep procrastinating the significant things that God has called us to do. So how do we start engaging in what we've been avoiding? How do we start engaging in what we've been avoiding? The first thing is this. You got to step towards instead of wait for. You got to step towards instead of wait for. What do you keep putting off? Here's a simple question. I usually try to pose a question almost every Sunday. What do you keep putting off that you know you should begin? What, what do you keep procrastinating that you know you should be engaging in? What's that, what's that action? What's that thing that you're like, dadgummit, he's saying it right now. Why are you saying, what do you keep putting off that you know you should begin? And, and here's the deal, is we're great at coming up with excuses of why we're not. Well, I'll start after, right? I'll, I'll do it when it's more convenient. It'll be more convenient when, boom. You know, I, I don't have the time to do it boom. And we come up with great excuses and we want it to be the perfect timing and the perfect setting and everything to align and everything to look good and everything to be good. And some of us, we've just put off what we know we should be engaging in. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 4 says this, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. I love this scripture. If you wait till perfect conditions, if you wait till you feel qualified and prepared, you're never gonna have kids, right? If you wait till you, uh, for perfect conditions and you feel ready for it, you're never gonna do anything significant. You're never gonna step into that ministry. You're never gonna step into that position. You're never gonna start that business. You're never gonna take the next step that God's calling you to take the next step in. You're, you're, you're never going to do it. Growing up, we, we, we had this toy called the Magic 8-Ball. Anybody else? Like you had one of these growing up. Yeah, come on. Um, and and the, the thing about a Magic 8-Ball was you would ask it a question, and it would turn over. Like, how am I going to get rid of my zit today? Um, probably not. Sweet. Thanks, Magic 8-Ball. Um, but, but here's the deal. I, I didn't take it real serious because I knew it was a toy. Some of these are like, oh, it's the real thing. I'm like, shut up. It's a magic eight ball with a little floating cube there. Um, if your confidence is in this, we got big issues. But I remember one time there was a girl that I had a huge crush on in elementary school. Her name was Kara. And like Kara was here and, and like there, there's, there's scales. Let's, let's be honest here in elementary school. And she was here and I was somewhere down here with my mullet um, and my tinted glasses and everything else that was going on. And, and, but, but I had magic eight ball. And so I went to my magic eight ball and I said, if I ask Kara to go out with me, will she do it? And it said, um, as I see it, yes. Just came up, right? And so I'm like, well, okay. And so I went home and I got my Bugle Boy jeans on. I got my OP shirt on. I put my penny loafers on with a shiny penny in them. I tight rolled those jeans. I was ready to go. All systems go. I got this puffy little heart necklace that was gold, and I said, do you see this heart? And she's like, yeah. I go, that's for you, because you already have mine. Uh, I may not have looked fly, but that's pretty good. 
And I wouldn't even wear my overalls. I mean, dang, how could you say? And she goes, she, she literally looked at me. She's the meanest person I've ever met. She looked at me and she says, I don't want your, your necklace and I don't want your heart. You can keep it. Still recovering, still in counseling for this. Said the first step to recovery is admitting it. And so here we are on a Sunday morning. Here's the deal. I, I didn't need a magic eight ball to tell me to start doing something, right? And, and you don't need a magic eight ball to tell you to start engaging in things you know are right. And some of us, we keep putting off, man, I, I'm going to stop this addiction. I'm going to stop this. Back. You don't need a good reason to stop doing that and engage in that. You've got a Bible and the Holy Spirit who is your guider and your counselor to lead you in that. You don't need somebody to tell you, hey, you know what? You need to be a faithful spouse. No, you just decide this is who I'm going to be. You don't need somebody to tell you, hey, you need to stop looking at porn. No, you decide this is who I'm going to be. I'm going to get over this problem, over this addiction, over this issue so that I can engage here. And some of us, we've been waiting till we're perfect. We've been waiting till all the things are clear and it looks great to engage in the plan and the calling that God has for us. And you'll never get it done and you'll never take your first step if you're waiting for everything to be perfect. Here's the deal. For a lot of us, our problem isn't rushing in. It's waiting too long. Right? Some of us, we're rushers. Yes. I think it's a good idea. We're going to do it. We're going to go this way, Casey. That is my, I am a rusher in her. But can I tell you, for a lot of us, when it comes to the calling and the plan of God that he has for our life, I would say probably 90% of us in this place, our problem isn't rushing into the plan that God has for us. It's procrastinating it and waiting for it. And we're waiting for God to do the miraculous why he's waiting for us to be obedient. Because can I tell you, when I read the Bible, most of the time when I read the Bible, the miracles followed obedience. Right, when Joshua and the, and the priest stepped into the Jordan River, then the Jordan River stopped. It wasn't until they took the, the steps of obedience that the miraculous followed. And you're waiting for the miracle and you're waiting for all this to be good and to look great. And God's just saying, man, if you'll take the first step, I'll do the rest. But you've got to engage instead of fixing to, to have, a, have a fixing to mindset, you've got to engage in what God is asking you to do. But we come up with excuses. Left, We are great and we are creative at coming up with excuses. And if we were as creative and energetic and put as much time and energy into doing the plan that God has for us as, as we do coming up with the excuses that we have for our life, man, our lives would be changed, our families would be changed, and this world would be changed because we're just simply following the calling God has on our life. Man, there's something that some of us, we're just waiting. And don't wait for. Step towards. James 4.17 says this. Remember, it's a sin to know what you ought to do. And then not do it. It's a sin to know what you ought to do. And then not do it. And, and fixing to isn't a strategy. It's a, an habitual excuse. And for some of us, we're, we're, we're in this fixing to state of mind because we're waiting for it to get more convenient. When it's more convenient, I'll start. When it's more convenient, I'll step into. When it's more convenient, I'll step towards, right? But it's never gonna be more convenient. 
Like it, it, this calling and the calling that God has and the plan and the purpose that he has for your life and my life, nowhere in the Bible have I seen that it's convenient. It's obedient. It wasn't convenient for David the way that he became king. Not at all. It wasn't convenient for Moses the way that he had to lead the Israel. It wasn't convenient the way Jesus even came to earth. Think about it. He was born in a barn surrounded by a bunch of strange men that were shepherds saying, let me see that pretty baby, right? I mean, this is insane. This is the way Jesus came. Like He was born into redneck. That is exactly what happened. Go back and read it. But we want our life to be convenient. We want our calling to be convenient, but it doesn't work that way. Remember, it's a sin to know what you ought to do and then not stop waiting for everything to be perfect and just take a step towards it. I love, love, love what Abraham Lincoln said. He says, you cannot escape the responsibility of tomorrow by evading it today. You can't escape the responsibility of tomorrow by evading it today. The second way we get past a fixing to state of mind and living is you'll never be ready, go anyways. You'll never be ready, go anyways. I don't know how many of you have ever bungee jumped in this place um, in your life, but if you never have done it and you are over the age, I would say, of 70 years old, give it a go. Um, otherwise, you may be dead once you hit the bottom. Um, but. Uh, it is one, I am not somebody that gets freaked out by heights. Um, we had a couple, uh, Silas and Avery Brooks, that just got back from this European vacation, and she like bungee jumped off the Corinth Canal, and it looked awesome, and you're like, oh, that would be really cool. No, it's not. No, it's not. Like when I saw it, I was like, there's no way. There's no way. I would probably rather hold a snake than deal with that. Um, the one time I bungee jumped in my life, um, I, I can do other things. But what is so hard for me, um, they couldn't do it around my legs because I'm too tall, um, so they harnessed me in, which I'm told, I'm like, oh, sorry guys, can't jump with it around my leg. Um, so I was harnessed in, and they give you a minute time frame to walk from kind of the base out to the platform, and then they give you a minute to jump off. Now, a minute sounds like a long time, but there's nobody to push you. Like, it would be easier if somebody just pushed me off, like, just go, right? But I had to jump, and so it comes down, and I'm sitting there like, okay, I got to do this. I can't back off because I'm going to be the sissy, and I can't do it. And it's like 10, 9, I'm like, I know how to count. You know, I'm like, I'm starting to get like angry and mad and have a very negative attitude. Shut up. I know what's next after 8, you know, 8, 8, 7, right? I know, I know, I know. So 7, and so I finally jump, and I go, I, did, I didn't yell. Um, I'll tell you, when, when I get scared, I don't yell everything tenses up and I look like a man that's having childbirth. I just go, Ugh! <laughs> I'm like, uh, my whole body was locked up and after about two bounces, I was like, Woo! <laughs> like, that was great, guys. I'm never doing that again. That was great, you know, <laughs> fantastic. And, and here's the deal. I, I wasn't ready. I had to jump anyways. What's crazy to me is that some of us have more faith in a bungee jump and a bungee cord than we do in a Savior. And we know what God's asking us to do, but we don't jump. And here's the deal. Nobody makes you jump but you. No, nobody makes you go but you. And at some point, 
your faith has to lead you to action instead of your feelings. And we live in a very feeling-central society that says if you feel it, go for it. If you don't feel it, you don't have to do it. But Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says this, faith means being sure of things we hope for and knowing that something is real even if we don't see it. You've got to make a switch where you allow your faith to lead you to action instead of your emotions to lead you to action. Where you allow your faith to lead you instead of your emotions to lead you. If I go to my house, I'm like, hey, girls, you need to do the dishes. Hey, girls, you need to, like, I'm not talking about Casey, just Charlie and Chloe at this time, because um, I value my life. Um, hey, you guys need to, like, do something. Like, and they just say, well, I don't feel like doing the dishes right now. Can I tell you, there's going to be an intervention in my household. They're going to be, oh, oh, I don't care how you feel right now. I just told you to do it. Don't look at me crazy or I will give you the big eyes right now. Like it's there. I don't care what you feel like. This is what I'm and some of us we've got to come to a place man we're following our faith more than our fears. And we're following our faith that we know God has something great for us and we know God is calling us to something even if we can't see how it's going to work out. Even if we can't see how it's all going to come around, man, I know what my next thing to do is, and it's to step towards, and it's not to, to wait till I feel like it. Man, it's to go for it even when I don't feel like it. In Judges chapter 6, verses 11 through 15, it's the calling of Gideon. And it says this, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth. Now this is just another word for an oak tree. At Oprah, you thought she was just on TV. At Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide from the Midianites. Now, I want to stop here just for a second. This is the calling of Gideon. This is a calling of one of the judges that we've read about. Maybe you've heard about, maybe you've never heard about, but that's okay. Where a lot of us miss is, is this. When the angel of the Lord finds Gideon, Gideon's hiding from his enemy. He, he's hiding from his enemy. And for some of us, we are that at that stage. You are, you're, you're Gideon right now. And you know what the Lord's asking you to do, but you're hiding from it. And can I tell you, stop hiding from it. Stop hiding because you're afraid something's going to go wrong because you're going to live your life playing, you know, prevent defense and you're never going to win at life because you never took the risk and you never took the step and you never stepped out in faith. Man, stop hiding from your enemy because the Bible says if he is for you, who can be against you? Stop hiding from your purpose and start living it out. We continue, verse 12, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Other translations say, O mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? I think a lot of us are there. The Lord is with, the Lord's with me, just in the Lord's got a calling on my life. The, the Lord has a purpose. Then why did all this happen? Then why did all this occur? And some of us were stuck trying to figure out why all this has happened instead of just being obedient to the plan God has for us. 
Why did God take the Israelites the long way and trap them in the Red Sea between the Red Sea and Egypt just to display his glory? It doesn't make sense in the moment. You have to have generations pass for it to finally make sense. I'm not going to sit here and reason why everything makes sense. I don't know. But what I do know is that he has a plan and a purpose for you. And you can try to figure out God or you can just be obedient. But I'm not going to spend my time trying to figure out God. I'm just going to be obedient to him. And verse 14, and the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. When the angel of the Lord greets Gideon, he says, greetings. The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. He knew exactly what Gideon wasn't feeling. But here's what I love about the God we serve. God always sees more than we do. God always sees more than we do. We see our limitations, and God sees our limitlessness in him. I just made a word up, I know. Um, Some of us, all we see is the guilt and the screw-ups and the mess-ups and all that we've done wrong, and God sees all the freedom and all the potential that is in there. Man, when, when David was not even considered to be a king, because what did everybody else see? They saw a shepherd, they saw a runt, they saw just the youngest born. God said, that's a guy after my own heart that will be a giant slayer and a king. Man, do not get fascinated and fixated on what you see because God always sees more. Where you see weakness, God sees strength. Where you see limitation, God sees possibilities. You can't just get fixated on the situation that you're dealing with because God sees more and he's able to do more than what you could ever think, imagine, or dream of. Don't let your situation limit you. You're not going to feel like it. You're going to feel unqualified in it. Go anyway. Step into it anyways because God always sees more. He always sees more. Here's what I would leave you with and here's what I would stay with is this. Private faithfulness is a prerequisite to public usefulness. Private faithfulness is always a prerequisite to public usefulness. What do you mean by that, Justin? Right after this, the angel of the Lord sends Gideon to his father's household to get his house in order. There's idols, there's altars to other gods that are set up. He says, go tear down your father's idols. Go tear down the, the, the altars. And Gideon's freaked out, right? He's scared. Doesn't feel like a mighty man of valor. I can't even go tear down these altars, much less go fight the Midianites and the Amalekites. What are you talking about? And so he's so scared of what his mom and dad, really what his dad's going to do, and the community around that he tears down the idols and the altars at nighttime. Mighty man of valor. Woo, look at that guy go, right? But you know what? He still does it. He's still obedient. He, He still does the scary thing. He still does the thing that it takes faith for. And he gets his own house in order before he can lead everyone else. 
And some of us, we want to be this amazing leader, and we want God to do all these amazing things in us and through us, and I believe we do. We have a dream that we want God to do, but can I tell you, before you can have public usefulness, there's got to be private faithfulness in your life. And a lot of us don't like that, but that's the truth. It's got to be right here. It's got to be right inside of your house before it's going to be right outside of your house. Private faithfulness is a prerequisite to public usefulness. And man, I believe God has a calling for you, for me, and that if the church would just stand up and do all that he's calling us to do, we would change the world. Don't wait. Man, don't sit there. Don't wait for the right timing. But step into it even when you don't feel it. Let your faith lead you over your emotions. I, I, I'll close with this. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, you don't have to see the whole staircase. Just take the first step. And I believe that's true of us tonight. My prayer is that you will take your first step today. It doesn't have to be a big one. It can be a small one. But that you would respond to the word of God because it's a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for today. <clears throat> And God, I ask right now that as we come into this place that we would understand the bigness of this, this message. As teenagers, as college students, as man, young professionals, as singles, man, as, as, as married couples, as moms, as dads, as grandparents, Lord, there is no expiration date. There is no limitation on this message. You have a calling for every person in this place. And for some of us, we've just been putting it off. For some of us, it's significant steps that we haven't taken. For some of us, it's just small. It's just the small step of first obedience, of being obedient over putting it off, being, over, being obedient over feeling it. Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us today and that we wouldn't keep staying a fixing to type of person that we're fixing to put energy into our marriage we're fixing to start that ministry we're fixing to take that position we're fixing to start this company we're fixing to be that dad we're fixing to have that conversation we're fixing to get over that habit and move on we're fixing to let go of all the unforgiveness that we've experienced so that we can move on in a healthy way in our relationships god i pray let us take the one small god we don't have to see the whole staircase God, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It is not a massive flood lamp. It's not, it's not a floodlight where we can see all, the, all you ask is for us to take the next step. And so, Lord, I pray for every single one of us in here that we've been procrastinating, that we would let this message lead to action. That we would not just be hearers of the word, but we would be doers of it. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv.
We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.